You're listening to a sermon from Pasco Vale Church of Christ. To hear more of our teaching or to find out about the church, please visit our website, pvcc.org.au. Good morning, Pasco Vale. It's good to see all of you again. It's uh, very cold outside, isn't it? <laughs> Welcome to winter. Um, another beautiful morning. I thank God that we can just get under his house to worship the Lord and to study his word. I hope you've all enjoyed the uh, Kingdom series that was just completed and it was beneficial for you to uh, get a new appreciation of the Old Testament. Today we're beginning our Statement of Faith uh, series and we hope that you'll be able to get a better appreciation of uh, what we believe in and a good understanding of the biblical foundation that guide our church. It's also a great opportunity for those who are perhaps joining us or new or our regular members to gain a good understanding of the of what the, this church is built upon. Okay, so some years ago, together with a few elders of uh, Cross Culture, we were in, we were encouraged to revisit the statement of faith and to update it for our uh, church with the scriptural basis for our statements. It was indeed an insightful exercise and experience for us because we had to then challenge um, our understanding of what it was and and basically see where the scriptural basis was coming from. So it was a very um, good exercise that we, we had to take. So I hope that you guys will benefit from this exercise as well. Today, we'll be looking at statement number 11, basically that what the church is. So the church is comprised of all those whom God has saved into his family and meets regularly in local gatherings to build one another up for, services, for service and witness. Today, we'll focus on two-thirds of this statement and in two Two weeks' time, we'll pick up the last third on building one another. But before we begin, let's bow our heads and prepare our hearts for the word and for God to speak to us through the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to study your word and to revisit the foundation of our faith and the reason why we do church. So we just pray, dear Lord, that as we work through the sermon and the message today, that you will Bless the, bless the time that we have, and also uh, you'll find that every meditation of our hearts and the words that we speak be wholly acceptable to you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now in 2001, the world was introduced to these two characters, Brian O'Connor and Dominic Toretto, in the Fast and Furious franchise. I don't know if anyone here has watched the movies. On the surface, it's all about... The, the action, you know, the fast cars, the street racing, the thug life, you know, thrilling heists. It's not Shakespeare, but beneath the surface is a heart, a story of friendship, loyalty, respect, and the most important part, la familia, or family, as Toretto would put it. As the film progresses, against all odds, Brian, the undercover cop, finds and is accepted not only into Dominic's crew, but into his family. Now, more than 20 years later, the Fast and Furious movie franchise has seen over 10 sequels with more to come, not to mention all the spin-off movies uh, and animated series as well. Perhaps it's not your kind of movie, but as the one of the highest grossing movie franchise, there's no denying that there is some sort of attraction to it. Is it the fast cars? Is it the, the heart-pounding, gravity-defying action? Or is it something deeper? In the movie, Dominic Toretto says this, 
Everyone's looking for a thrill, but what's real is family. What's real is family. I know this is only a movie, but whoever came up with those words in the script must have put a lot of thought into it. Why? Because it speaks to our inner human longing. It's a longing for family, isn't it? Family that goes deeper than just blood ties. We are all we all want a kind of family where we can be accepted, valued, where you have each other's backs, where we belong. Today we open up the scriptures. Our hope is that we see God's answer for our longing for a family is ultimately found in the church. Unlike the fast and furious kind of family, in the church you don't need a particular set of skills. You don't need to be attractive or be able to drive, drive a very fast car. In the church, we're not primarily bound together because of shared experience or mission. Rather, we are the church because all that God has done for us in Jesus, it's his blood that ties us together. You know, so much could be said of the church, isn't it? But we're going to focus on is three key questions here today. Firstly, what is the church? Who is the church? And what is the church for? Let's look at the first question. What is the church? The church is the people of God. The Bible uses a number of metaphors to describe the people of God. In Ephesians that we just read, it is described as the household or family of God. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 19. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with saints and the members of the household of God. This means that the church is not a physical building, though the family might meet in a building like where we are now. The church is not an event, though the family gathers for events, like we are now. The church is not an ideology or system of beliefs. Through the family, certain united around the foundational truth, like we are doing right around the world now. What the church is, it's God's family. It's all about the people. It's meant to be profoundly and deeply relational. That is why we call one another brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, who gets to be in the family? Who is in the church? Ephesians chapter 2 verse 19 tells us that God's family members once were no longer strangers and aliens, isn't it, in that verse? Before being family, we were all strangers and aliens. I did not know you or anyone in this room. I probably not have known any of you as I come from Singapore as well. But it's Christ, Christ that brought us together to be in relationship with one another. It was Jesus that made our paths cross one another and become as family. But this verse isn't just talking about becoming family with people you don't know. There's something deeper. 
historical, and even theological. Now, if you recall, in the Old Testament, there were two groups of people, two groups, only two types: Jews, the chosen people of God, and the second, Gentiles, everyone else. Jews were in, Gentiles were out. Jews were God's family, Gentiles were not. Ephesians describes Gentiles as being separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise. It's a confronting picture, and in verse thirteen, it summarizes what this means. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near. By the blood of Christ, Gentiles were far off or far away from God, but now, but now God has brought these aliens and these strangers, these two opposing groups of Jews and Gentiles, and together as one, as fellow citizens, fellow saints, family. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one, that he might create in himself one new man in the place of the two. And in verse sixteen, reconcile us both to God in one body. Now, how does he do this? It's all because of Jesus and what he has done for us. We are brought near. By the blood of Christ, in verse thirteen, there is peace because the dividing wall is broken down in His flesh. In verse fourteen, we are reconciled to God and one another through the cross. In verse sixteen, all this is to say, as Jesus dies on the cross, He makes the way for us to have peace with God and peace with one another. He opens the door for both Jews and Gentiles to be included. It's his blood that brings these two polar opposites together as one. If God can bring these two opposing groups together in Christ, that means that the church is open to all Jew, Gentiles, and everything in between. That's why in Galatians. Chapter three, verse twenty-eight says, "There is no neither Jew or Gentile, there is neither slave nor free, there is no male and female, for you are one. You are one in Christ Jesus. This is why this is such a compelling vision of family. Its true diversity is open to all." Not just a Christian that has it all together, but also for the Christians who are broken or those who are broken outside. It's for the well, the marginalized, the majority, the rich, the poor, the old, the young. God is bringing together all people from every tribe, every nation, every people, every tongue, from the furthest corners of the world. Into one, and that is the family in Christ. 
The church is open to all who are saved by God. All who put their trust in Jesus. It's his blood shed for us that ties us together. No, maybe you are here today and you're not sure if you are in this family or not. Maybe you have reached the end of yourself or at the end of religion and you have lost all hope. Maybe right this moment you feel far from God. Maybe there's something in your life that you think excludes you from God's family, that keeps you far from Him and His family. Perhaps a sin, doubt, circumstances, past experiences and disappointments. You need to hear this now and know this. No matter what you are going through, no matter what you're going through, there's always, always a place reserved for you in God's family. Always a place for you. You might be far off, but because of Jesus, you can be brought near. What is the church for? If you read the end of the passage today, you see the end goal for the church. So, when, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundations of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. People near and far, strangers and aliens are brought together, saved in God's family. Then verses 21 and 22 shifts to the metaphor of a building. It says, we the church are being joined and built together like a timber framing, the bricks and mortar, so that we might grow into a building, but not just any building, not just any building, a holy temple, the dwelling place for God. That's what we've been built to do. Now remember the remark God made of David's desire to build him a temple when we were doing the Kingdom series two weeks ago. David wanted to build God's temple out of cedar or bricks and mortar, but God desired a church. God desired a church built on his believers. It is there that he will dwell. It's in the hearts of the believers that he will dwell. Now in the Old Testament, the temple was also the place that Israel went to go and meet with God. It was made of many sections, the outer courts and the inner courts. There's something special about a choice of words translated holy temple here in Ephesians. It was not talking about the whole temple as a whole. It was not talking about the outer and inner courts. The word used here is describing a specific part of the temple. It's the innermost sanctum of the temple. It is the holy of holies. Because that's where the Lord dwelt. This was the most important part. Because this was the only place. Only place where the glory of God would descend. It was the only place where God's presence would come and dwell with his people and make his home amongst them. 
Paul says in Ephesians that you, each one of you sitting right there, we are the church. The people, the family of God. We are the new holy of holies. The very dwelling place of God where His glory and His spirit resides. That's who you are. This is what the church is for. This is the ultimate purpose. This was God's grand plan. God's people. God's family. God's dwelling place. This is why we meet together weekly as a church. That's why it's so important. Eden is going to pick up his ears very soon. At Ethan's last birthday, he received some Lego as his birthday present from his friends. On the boxes, you see this fantastic image of this toy, which could be transformed and did all sorts of things. But when you open up the box, all that you see inside were Lego pieces. It's not a toy, isn't it? It looked nothing like the grand picture that was on that box. But when you join the pieces together, the toy then starts to take shape and become what's pictured in, on that box. On one instance, a piece was missing. And with that missing piece, the toy did not look complete, or as it should be. You see, in the same way, if we never come together, if we stay as individuals, Christians separated from fellowship, the God's grand plan cannot be displayed. We'll never be properly joined together. If we are not joined together, then we'll never be built up. If we're never built up together, then we'll never be the temple where God wants to dwell. The dwelling place where God's glory is shown to the whole world. But as we gather together, as we commit to one another, we experience this joining together as we share life, journey with one another, build one another up. As we do all this, we experience the presence and the peace that God is in our midst. What is church for? It's God's family. Who is the church? All who are saved and trust in Jesus. What is the church for? It's the temple of God, the dwelling place of God. To conclude, what should our responses be? I guess the very first one is come. Come and be part of this family. Come into the family. If you are here today and you're not yet part of God's family, let me invite you, let me encourage you to join that family. You don't have to stay on the outside. You don't have to look in. You are welcomed. You don't have to stay far off. Today, you can become part of God's family. You can find peace with God and peace with one another. Put your trust in Jesus and what he has done for you. Also, whilst we think to ourselves we are but insignificant pieces, 
Sometimes the insignificant piece completes or distorts what the grand design was meant to be. You are an important part of the church. You are an important part of the family. Now, don't expect perfection. Don't expect perfection. You're not going to find a perfect church. Because we are all not perfect. Let's be honest here. Now, Charles Spurgeon said, If I had never joined a church till I found one that was perfect, I should never have joined one at all. At the moment I did join it, if I had found one, I should have spoiled it. For it would not have been a perfect church after I had become a member of it. Still imperfect as it is, it is the dearest place on earth to us. Don't expect perfect. Because we are all not perfect. And we are all a work in progress. No, sure, there will be conflict even within the family. You know, but the ones that are hard to get along with, those that irritate you, they are grace growers. You know, the ones that inadvertently hurt you, they are mercy growers. You know, the ones that are hard to love, friends, these are love growers. They help us to grow in Christ's likeness. They are means that God uses to make us become more and more like Jesus. So in many ways, it is in the very imperfection of the church that God causes us as a community, as a church to grow. To grow in our love for those we find difficult to love. So that one day we might love like the Lord Jesus himself. Who loved you and I, even when we were his enemies. The third is meeting together. In Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 to 25, it says, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as in the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. You know, I know for some, these are, there are all sorts of reasons why we don't want to or it's difficult to meet together as a church family. You know, health issues and stuff like that. We understand that. As a family, we need to be patient with one another. There might be seasons in life where this can be difficult. Coming to church can be difficult. Maybe not even possible. But as far as we can do, we must do all that we can to continue to meet together if you are able to. Following Jesus is not easy. It's not easy. We all need one another to encourage and spur each other on. Now for those who are regular, never missing a Sunday, now I want you to be careful that you don't grow bitter and resentful towards those who have given up the habit of coming together. This can happen very easily. But pray, pray, show grace. Be ready always to welcome anyone back into this family. Build up and encourage one another. If we all have a role to play, if we don't play our part, 
Others will need to step in and carry your load. But if everyone do their bit, everyone benefits, isn't it? Imagine what our gatherings could look like if we came not asking what we could get, but instead asking how we could build up and encourage one another in the church. What if we considered how our conduct might be a blessing and encouragement to others? From where you sit or how you pray, how you listen, how you sing, how you smile, how you welcome, how you, you, you are present. If we did all these things to build up and encourage one another, what might the church look like? Friends, in doing this, we will begin to fulfill the writings of Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 to 4. In humility, count others more significant than yourself. Let each one of you look not only to his own interests, not only his own interests, but also to the interests of others. We, are, we all long for family. And God's answer to that call is the church. It's not perfect, as Spurgeon says, imperfect as it is, is the dearest place on earth to us. La familia. Let's pray. Thank you, God, that we have a place that we can call our family, that we know that no matter what we've done, no matter how we've sinned against you, or whatever is stopping us or obstructing the way from us to coming to you, we know that there is a place for us in your church, in your family. We thank you that by the blood of Jesus Christ, we are joined together as one. Let us not forget that. Let us not lose sight of the importance of that. But instead, let us hold so dear and precious in our hearts the joy that we can have knowing that we are loved, that we are welcomed, that we are family. Lord, we pray that you help us to challenge us in the way we think of what we do when we come to church. Help us to reflect on our attitudes when we come to church. Why do we come to church? If there's anything that's wrong in us, we pray for forgiveness. But we also pray that you will guide us and show us how we can do better and how we can contribute to the family so that together we will shine your grand plan and be the vision for the world to see Jesus through us, the church, the family. Thank you for today. And we pray that you challenge us with your word. In Jesus' precious and holy name we pray. Amen.